Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We just praise you, Lord God, and we honor your name, Lord God. God, I just pray that you would just speak through me, Lord God, that there will be no nervousness, Lord God, that I would be excited about your word, Lord God. And Lord God, I would just speak, Lord God, with boldness, Lord God, with no apprehension at all, Lord God, and proclaiming the things of you, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If I ever been excited excited about a message it's the message today I, I i was so excited about this message and then i was constantly just like thinking about it thinking about it and and my kids were like mom i'm tired of hearing about this because that's all i was talking about and then all kind of trouble start happening one thing after another started happening i had all this time to prepare and was putting it in my head but then one problem after another one problem after another i'm like okay what in the world is going on First, it was just so clear that I was hearing from you. And then now it's just like, I'm just like perplexed, you know, but not cast out and not forgotten. But going through, but God got me through everything. But still, this message is such a good message. We're going to talk about the resurrection power. We're not going to talk about the Easter bunny. We're not going to talk about eggs. But we're going to talk about the resurrection power. And there's so much in that. And that the devil just camouflages all this and he messes it up so that we focus in on what? The wrong thing. So let's think about the right thing today, which is the resurrection power. So what's so important about the resurrection? What's so important about the resurrection? Why is that so important? Why is that so important? So everything is involved in the resurrection. Man came and brought death through Adam. And then Jesus came and brought resurrection of life. Without the resurrection, there will be no hope. No hope. So I went to this funeral with my husband, um, I don't know, maybe about three or two years ago. And it was a funeral that bothered me (laughs) really bad because it was uh, a fraternity. And what they did was, they called the individual's name out. The casket is up front, and they're calling his name out. And it's as, as if his body is going to get up, but his body doesn't get up, so there's no hope. And this is like, that was the end of it. And I was like, whoa, this is just, this is just horrible. <laughs> they're calling his name, and he's not moving. And of course, he shouldn't be moving because he's dead. But it just like, oh. And they made it seem like, okay, it's done. He's dead. No hope. And I was like, oh, horrible. But Christ, but Christ, but Christ, because Christ has made a way for us that we will be resurrected through him, through his power. So let's turn to first Corinthians. All right. So I promise not to jump all over the Bible as much as I can. But I tell you, you, you might have to hold me back today because there's so much. This is probably, like I said, the most important, um, message because we need to understand without the resurrection there's no hope there's just no hope I'm a little hot but that may be because I'm excited but let's just see if I calm down so first Corinthians we're going to start with first uh, Corinthians we're going to go to um, chapter 15 first Corinthians chapter 15 Right, we're going to start at verse 12. 
Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But the, if there is no resurrection from, of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. Vain meaning unsuccessful, useless, foolish, silly. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Vain, unsuccessful, useless, foolish, silly. So you see, if Christ is not risen, then all of this is for nothing. See the importance of this? This, this is where everything kind of lays and falls. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is it not Christ risen? Are raised, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. If in this life only we hope in Christ, there is another life. So we don't put all our hope in what? This life. Right. If we put all our hope in this life, we are, are most men miserable. How miserable we are if we just think that it's just this and that's it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. There is so much more to it. The life expectancy, and this is from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is nothing. This is just what they predict. And this is, you know, life expectancy at birth until the end is 76. This is what, the, the, this, you know, please, please. This is just what they say. Not that we believe all of this, but we trust God for how long he wants us to be on this planet. Right. But you have to understand, we're not here for long periods of time. And so if this is it, oh my goodness, <laughs> most miserable. But this is not it, guys. There is more. The resurrection is the beginning of new life. There's another life. There's another world. There's another place that's being prepared. Place that's being prepared. A city that's being prepared not by hand. Not by human hand. So we have something great to look forward to. So let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. And this is what we stand on. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cleopas and then of the twelve. Now it goes on and it talks about how many people saw him. So we, pe we preach the resurrection. We believe the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to keep going. And as I said, you know, scene of, of 500 brethren, over 500 brethren at once, saw him, Jesus and all the apostles, seen by Paul. Seen. Um, so 
the Bible says that when we pray to the dead, that it's an abomination, which is something regarded as um, disgust or hatred. God sees it as an abomination. So that's Deuteronomy 18 and 11. You don't have to turn there. But the point is, if Jesus is not alive and we're praying to him, then God would know that we're sinning to God in doing that. So we know that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus has to be alive in order for us to be praying to him. I stand on the fact that he is alive. And, you know, like I said, with this message, I should be able to speak with boldness about this because I believe this 100 percent. I stand on this, that he is alive and I'm praying to a risen savior and that he hears my prayers. He came back to retrieve the body. And I, I, I pondered that in my head. I said, why would you want to come back and get that body? Really, I did. I thought about it. Because it was like, they beat that body up so bad. So the images that we see of Jesus is really not true. Really not true. So let, let me tell you. Let's do this. Christ's body had been beaten and bruised. So if you just use the Bible, and, and don't use Mel Gibson's movie, because it gets in your head and you think that's what it was, but it's like, <laughs> you got to get that out of your head. So you have to just read your Bible, and you can see exactly what was going on. So let's turn to John 19. One to three. All right. Chapter 19, verse one. So then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip. So a whip that had lead tips on the end of it. So if you hit with that, you're going to look pretty bad from that. that that's going to beat the body up pretty bad. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smoked him with their hands. So they were hitting him. They were smacking him. So they beat him with something, with some type of iron whip. And then they, they hit him in the head with a rod. But the part that got me is when I turned to Mark, Mark 15. Page is getting stuck. I'm sorry. And then um, Mark 15. We're going to start at 16. Nope, that's not where I wanted to go. So um, I put down the wrong one. What I'm looking for is that when it talks about Jesus um, before he was crucified, they call for a, a band of soldiers to come, Roman soldiers. So, the, so um, a large amount of soldiers came to do this beating that took place. So when you look up band of soldiers, Roman soldiers, it's about 600. So it wasn't that small number of people that took Jesus off, but it was a large number that took Jesus off. And that that kind of blew my mind because just thinking, like I said, it said that they were hitting on him. They would, you know, so in doing that, 15, it's 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. So let me go here. 
Well, thank you, husband. So, like I said, when you watch the movie, you think oh, about four guys took him somewhere and they hit on him. But no, when you look up the word ban, you realize it wasn't just four. And why they needed to have so many of them, I really, I don't know. Maybe they knew something we didn't know. But it just speaks to how much Jesus went through. Amen. Amen. And so, and so we start at 16. And the soldiers, and this is um, Mark 15 and verse 16. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Percurium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple, um, pratted um, a crown of thorns, and put it about his head. And began to salute him, hell king of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed. And they spit upon him, bowing their knees, and worship him. And, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from them and put on his clothes back on him. And they let him out to be crucified. So he just was beat. And now they're going to crucify him and nail him to a cross. So as I mentioned, that body was pretty beat up. There, there is this story about Emmett Till. Till I don't know if y'all many of y'all know about this. This was a young... Um, 14-year-old African-American um, male that was adopted in Mississippi, and it, it, he died in 1955. And his mother wanted the casket open so that everybody can see what was done to her son, to see the evidence of what happened. So in the body, there's evidence. It shows and I, I, like I said, I wondered, like, why, God? What, what, why would you even want this body? It was so beat up. And we can't even um, get the magnitude of how this body was beat and abused. And, and, you know, but he came back and he got his body. He came back and he got his body. Um, and that shows the power of God. That shows the power that God has. And so the other part, so we talked about the fact that they beat him. And then John 19, 33 and 34. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already. Um, they broke not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. So then they pierced him in the side. They beat him in the back. They hit him in the head, they spat on him, they slapped him, and it's like, like I said, 300, 600 men beating him up. Um, shouldn't even have made it to the cross, to be honest, with all of that going on. Naturally, it probably would not have occurred, but still he did make it to the cross. So, why would you want this body? You know, why would you want the body? The ashes of Buddha were found in a gold bottle wrapped in a silk cloth within a copper bowl that was kept in a casket. So you can find Buddha's ashes, but you can't find Jesus' ashes. Right. It is the evidence that he rose again, that he went back and he got that body. Amen? Amen. Elijah Muhammad, you know, that was supposed to be a messenger of Allah. He died in 1975. 
So what's so special about the body? Even Satan tries to retrieve a body. He tried to in Jude 9. Pastor Rasan read about Jude. Um, there was this back and forth uh, between the Michael, the archangel, contending for the um, body of Moses. So Satan was trying to get that body. And all um, the archangel would say is the Lord rebuke you, you know, to that. And in Genesis 5, 21 and 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took his body. That's a nice way to go. <laughs> and God took his body. He lived 365 years. So back in those days, they lived longer. And Elijah, he was taken up in a whirlwind. Elijah, his um, apprentice, one who followed him, he watched the whole thing take place. And there was other prophets that were watching it take place. And they went to Elijah and said, hey, you know, they're going to take your master today. He's like, be quiet. <laughs> don't, 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 don't talk about it. But it did happen. And he watched it happen in a world with a fire that he just picked them up and took them up. And the mantle fell and he picked the mantle up. And there were like 50 prophets that said, you know what? Maybe God just took that body and put it in a mountain somewhere. And that's um, 2 Kings chapter 2, 16 to 18. And you can read that story. Elijah said, you know, there's no need for you to go look for the body because you're not going to find it. And they kept pestering him about the body and saying, no, it may be that he's in a mountain somewhere. And um, just got caught up in the spirit and God pulled them up there and then we can go get him. And so when they searched, they came back and told him, said, we couldn't find it. Yeah, I knew you couldn't find it. God took him. I knew God was going to take him. So we have reports of two that were just taken. But Jesus came back, as I mentioned, and retrieved his body. So retrieving the body was evidence and proof of the resurrection. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Doubting Thomas came and said, I'm not going to believe it unless I put my hand right in there. And he said, go ahead. So he had evidence and he had proof. And this is kind of like the foundation, like I said, you know, uh, resurrection power. And I've read this scripture and I want to read it again because I want to get it in us. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. So, as I mentioned, he was seen of people. The body holds the evidence of our existence on earth. The body also holds or records our actions on planet earth. Everything you need to know about you is in your DNA, which is inside your body. Everything. So it's in the body. So what if this is doing the recording of what you do? This is your recorder. It knows everything that you're doing. And it's taking a record of it. It's kind of scary, right? <laughs> I like to say is, show me the Carfax. Show me the evidence. 
Show me what's going on. So the vehicle um, history report is the Carfax. And so the same thing, we carry that in our body through our DNA. Through our DNA. You, if you have a history, let's say you start drinking heavily, you're going to carry that in your body. And guess what? You can pass that on to the next generation. It gets in your DNA. And you just carry it. And you don't even realize it. We don't even know these things when we first start up. Nobody don't give it. Well, the manual is there. Maybe we don't read it. <laughs> but the manual is there about this machine. But this machine carries stuff. You know, you, and this is just medical. A person can have a sexual disease, herpes, hadn't had sex in 20 years, and then all of a sudden this thing pops up, and you're like, hadn't had sex in 20 years. It's dormant in the body. It's just in there. Something you did years ago. Our body is the mode of transportation on planet Earth. We are a spirit that live in a body. This is not really me. But this is my mode of transportation. So that's why the racial stuff is so silly. Because it's just a, it's just a car. It's my mode of transportation. When you get in the car, you're not the car. But when you sit in the car, you make that car move. You know, <laughs> That's your mode of transportation when you get out. So if you ever see like a big old truck. And then it's like, wow, why does a big truck? And then when you person get out, they're a little tall person. <laughs> That's not them. <laughs> That's their mode of transportation. So, you know, we have to take care of this body. The body belongs to God. The body is the temple of God. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 6. And 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. I will dwell in them. I will dwell in them. And walk in them. So everything you're doing. In this body. He knows what you're doing in this body. But this body. Like I said. Is your mode of transportation on planet earth. It's your earth suit. But you're going to have to be held accountable. For what you do in the earth suit. So don't think. That whatever you do in this suit. It's okay. It doesn't matter anymore. It does matter. It's a lease. You know, back in the day, my husband used to lease cars. And I used to say, why are you leasing cars? It makes no sense. You don't own it. <laughs> you don't own it at all. You pay high prices for it. But you get to drive around in the car. And you lease a car. He's <laughs> shaking his head at me. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so we have to be held accountable for what we do in the body. So 1 Corinthians 6, let's go there. 1 Corinthians, yeah, chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. I have you all over 1 Corinthians, but it's good. The word is good. Amen. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 12. You say, 
I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about your bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power. Just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Shall a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. So that's why sexual sins are so dangerous. Because you unite with someone and you become one with that person. So you take on whatever they got dealing, they're dealing with in their body. When you become one with them, you bring that into your body. You ever see somebody suffering and walking and, and they look, I trade my body with you. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> you keep your body, you keep your transportation and I keep my transportation. I don't know what you got going on in yours and I don't want that. But that's the kind of thing we have to understand. So sexual sins, are, that's why Paul said to flee it, to, um, to not engage in that. And some of my kids would say, Ma, you act like you're afraid of that. I am. Because the scripture tells us to be. Everything else you do outside of the body. And so let's finish here. Um, 18, it says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you with a high price. So you must honor God with what? Your body. Amen. So your body. It's just, it, it's amazing. We don't realize how important the body is. He made a high price for this. And he went back and he got the body. And, and you know, and there was another part in the scripture where Jesus was walking and the disciples didn't know who he was. He used another body. And there are angels that show up unknowingly and they're using bodies. So, and don't think, okay, so, oh, when a person died, oh, another angel. No, 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 no. We're making it too small. We're making things too small. We don't understand, and I don't understand everything. But, it, but angels are one thing, and human beings are another. They're separate. That's different. This universe is big and vast, and God's moving, and it has many things that he's doing. But, as I mentioned, the body is the recorder. So, it's recording our deeds, everything that we do. So is there redemption? Yes, there is redemption. We are redeemed by Christ. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus when we give ourselves to him. Amen. Amen. So turn to 2 Corinthians 5. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
first one and I'm going to go all the way down to 10 for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved we have a building of God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven if so be that being clothed we shall be found naked for we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened not for we not for that we would be unclothed but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life now he that has wrought us for the self same thing is God who has given unto us earnest of the spirit therefore we are always confident knowing that was we are in we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith not by sight we are confident I say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord therefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that there be that there that everyone may receive the things done in his body once again that everyone may receive the things done in his body so what's the recorder the body according to that he has done whether it is good or bad so the body's going to tell on you well, I didn't do that show me the Carfax <laughs> he's going to know everything we've done <laughs> I didn't eat that show me the Carfax <laughs> the body amen? amen and then verse 11 knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that we may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. So we persuade men, knowing the terror of God. Hey guys, you got to get this right. Hey guys, you can't be doing certain things. So we cannot not tell people about sin. We cannot, knowing what we've just learned and, and what we've just read, that we are being held accountable for what we do in the body. The body is going to tell on us. Jesus went back and got his body because his record was good. <laughs> he didn't have, he, hey, look, check it out. There's my, there's my body. What you found in it. They beat it, but what's there? Now, some of us may want to hide our body. <laughs> We might not want that body to be given to God, but he is going to get that body and he's going to to examine what we've done, whether it's good or bad. So I persuade men to live according to what God has called us to do. Mortality. We don't live here long. I didn't know about this death clock, I, you know, studying. I, I learned there's a clock that's going that's constantly saying how many people die. And you just sit there and watch it and the numbers just keeps changing. I, I was blown away by it. And um, so one death every 10 seconds. There's one death every 10 seconds. And on the flip side of that, there's one birth every nine seconds. So this, this thing is constant. This evolving door is going on when we don't even know about it. Someone just died. It's just constantly happening. 
So it's just constantly going back and forth. But the last scripture that I want us to read, and we're going to read that, is John 11. I've been up here too long and I'm sorry we had to go through the scriptures but that's the way we learn and we don't want to I would say not spend too much time watching movies it, it just really changes if you if you read the word it's always something you pull out and you're like they didn't have that in that movie which is okay but it's like you got to read your Bible because it does help for understanding um, so I'm going to start I'm going to start with verse 4 and this is talking about um, Lazarus and this is chapter 11 in John when Jesus heard that he said the sick the sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abhorred two days still in the, in the same place where he was. Then after, then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou hither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in them, or in him. These things saith he. After that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go. That I may awake him out of his sleep. And then let's move down to um, verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house and said, Martha, unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, Whatsoever thou will, acts of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Therefore, liveth and believeth in me shall never die and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believeth thou this amen? Amen. amen so jesus is the resurrection he is the resurrection he is the source and so he was the first to rise again you know the first adam sin but jesus came back, got his body, lived the life that he can take his body and he could be used as a recorder and everything that he was supposed to do that the father required of him to do, he did it. 
Amen. So this is all good. This this lets us know that that at the right time, when we're done up with this earth, that Jesus can come and get our bodies. Amen. 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 Praise God for that. Amen.